0: To be honest, I was scared reaching out for help because I was like, this could totally ruin my career.
1: Somebody to have a more proactive approach and that he was coming to me
0: to be that person. They found him and he committed suicide. I just started screaming. I just felt responsible. Hello, everyone. I am Tim Lawson. Founder and host of the One Too Many Veteran Suicide Project and Podcast. I welcome you to another episode of this powerful project where we tell the stories behind veteran suicide with veterans coming forward and telling us about their suicidal behavior and how they recovered, as well as friends, families, medical professionals. Telling us about veterans that they've lost and treatments that we can consider when looking at PTSD, depression, and other mental and emotional health issues. This week, my guest, who requested to remain anonymous, is going to talk to us about her grandfather uh, that took his own life. He was a Navy veteran and a World War II vet. He had... um, Issues with feeling like a burden to the family, and that, uh, I guess, was too much for him to handle, and shortly after a surgery, took his own life. Uh, Today's guest will will touch on what that did to her family and how she feels uh, about what happened and the hindsight looking back on it. One, the number two, manyproject.com, one too manyproject.com is where you can go to listen to the other 20-something episodes that we've put out thus far. On Mondays, we have these stories. Wednesdays, we have my momentary reflections. And on Friday, we have the Q&A. If you go to one too many dot com slash start here, you'll see a page that sort of guides you through a few things that you can do to get familiar with the project with which which episode to listen to first. There's a video there to check out as well as a way for you to ask me a question for me to answer on Fridays during the Q&A. Pay attention to while you're listening to today's episode, think of You know how you may deal with this sort of situation and questions that you would have and let me know how you feel about it at the uh, we're on facebook and twitter both of those links are can be found at the website on how to connect with us there in the meantime here is a an example of the part of veteran suicide that doesn't get touched on enough in that over 50 percent of veteran suicides are of the ages 50 and older here's a representation of that in a story
1: Yes, he was a World War II Navy veteran. And this was a a year ago, December, that he committed suicide with a gunshot to the head. When I first noticed the change in his behavior was the summer prior to his suicide. He lived in uh, Northern California and came out to Salt Lake City to visit um, my parents, grandkids, great-grandkids. and. He was talking a lot about um, who was blood kin related and who was not, um, and how this was going to be his last visit out here. And so looking back, to me, there were signs. Um, You know, he and I had a conversation because we lost touch after I got out of the military for a period of time where, you know, we... Both tried to make amends for that lost time together, so I think that was kind of his way of saying goodbye. And you know, he he made it abundantly clear that this was his last trip out here, and that he probably wouldn't see us again.
0: And so, the, I mean, so if that, so, that was the last time you saw him. Did you have any other contact with him um, between that and and his suicide?
1: Yeah, we had talked on the phone a couple of times uh, while I was at my father's house visiting, because um, he'd call and talk to my parents about daily. So yeah, we we talked a little bit, and it was it seemed pretty normal. My my father noticed that he was talking about blood kin relations and that his son, not my. Uh, not my stepmother, but his other son was trying to get him to adopt one of his kids. So there was there was some strange interactions. Like they had a big family reunion with only blood kin invited. Um, so yeah, it was it was pretty odd. My my father picked up on it too.
0: So your your grandfather was a Navy vet. Uh, what era did he serve again? World War Two. I mean, at all through, you know, your childhood or, you know, any time before this last meeting, did he ever talk about his time in, in the military? And did he ever show any symptoms of, of PTSD or any sort of disturbance from his service?
1: Um, not that, n- nothing that stood out. Um, he and my father would joke about, because my father was in the Navy as well, and they would joke about Navy stuff. But, yeah, it was never anything that was really talked about.
0: I mean, was there a note? Was there any indication as to, as to cause? It? Was there any sort of last message that he left before he took his life?
1: No. When, when he did take his life, it was he had to have emergency heart surgery. So my parents flew out to California, and he lived in Stockton. So they they drove him to San Francisco for surgery because he was, people in Sacramento wouldn't operate on him because of his age. So they took him to San Francisco. And when he came back, it was the next day that he he took his life. Uh, When my father went to go take my uncle to the airport and my mom was left alone with him. My mom heard the gunshot, found his body. He was still alive at that point. By the time the the paramedics arrived, they couldn't revive him. He had mentioned in a conversation that he didn't want to be a burden to his family. Like I said, looking back, I could see the warning signs, but at the time, it, I didn't pick up on it.
0: Do you was anybody in the family expressing to him that he was becoming a burden, or was it, or was this of his own perception?
1: It was it was of his own perception because he was. He and my mom were really really close. Like I said, they would talk virtually every day and she was going to stay in California until he recovered from his surgery and he was on his his own two feet again. but nobody knew how long that would take.
0: I mean it's easy to assume, but I'd, I'd like to hear from your own words on the impact that this had on your family, both on your mother who had to discover the body and your family in the in the coming months and years that, um, after the event.
1: I don't, I'm, I'm about the only one that my father will talk to about this. Yeah. Um, my mom had nightmares, um, very numb, I guess, to everything. She's increased her drinking. A lot of us have tried to get her to get some counseling because that's that's a huge thing to, to see and walk through and deal with. But she refuses um, any mental health care, and she just, more and more, her, her drinking's getting worse. And she doesn't, she's even asked my father. My father said that he had this conversation with her. She doesn't understand why she drinks so much. His feeling is he will never forgive my grandfather for doing that to my mom. For me, I kind of look at it as, you know, it wasn't, it was his only opportunity for escape because he couldn't do that with multiple people in the house. At least he did it while my dad was still there, so she wasn't alone.
0: (laughs) Did you feel any animosity towards your grandfather for for taking his own life, and especially um, the aftermath that it created?
1: No. Like I said, retrospectively, I I understand why he did it. Um, So, no. I, I guess... Yeah, there's there's not really animos- any animosity from me. It he was he was sick, and he, as far as I could tell, he saw it as his only way out. He didn't want to have to be taken care of for years.
0: Do you? I mean, it's so. You said you understand. Um, you know? Do you? I mean, it is sort of easy to understand. I mean, that that's um, you know, obviously, no one. No, you know, as a society and as friends and family members, we don't like to hear that people just decide to choose this as their solution to a problem. But I mean, it 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 can be, you know, after I mean, if you really think about it, I mean, after you know, seventy something years of yeah. um of being your own person and then finally having to rely on other people, um, you know, to do what you've been doing independently for so long. I mean, I really can. Um, way heavy in on, heavy in on a person. And I think that we sort of, we don't, I think we're so used to viewing, um, an older generation as, uh, you know, as, as people who, you know, we always view them as that. So we assume that they just accept it, but it has to be incredibly difficult to accept that, that change in your life. You know, how, how soon were you able to notice that? Do you, do you remember noticing that, um, you know, before, um, before he was mentioning being a burden to the family
1: a little bit there were a couple of times before i moved to salt lake city where he had to call my brother for help with with things and you know he started having to rely on family more and i think that honestly when he had the the heart surgery and he realized that he was never going to be able to be completely on his own again i mean i'm not saying that it, it was I don't agree with it, um, but I understand his perspective.
0: Sure. You know, so, so hindsight now, if you would have picked up on, um, that this, that his, his perspective and his behavior were going to be fatal, how do you believe you may have intervened?
1: I could have maybe talked to him a little bit more in depth about it instead of just blowing it off as though that's just grandpa being grandpa, um. And had I actually realized what all of these little statements had meant, intervened, had some type of mental health care evaluation. Because at, at the point of the summer before a suicide, there could have been some intervention had anybody realized that this was why he was saying these things.
0: How, how did this event... Um, Influenced the way you view suicide, since you know, since you did mention as you know, as much as you don't disagree with his decision, you understand his perspective. How does that? How does that influence your your perspective on on suicide in general?
1: That it's 100% preventable, and honestly, this is what moved me in the, the direction of working with Dr. Brian on, on suicide prevention and veterans. Cause there's gotta be something that we can do. There has to be somebody that can identify the, the micro behaviors and expressions to be able to intervene. Yeah. And I just, I didn't know at the time. And now that I do, I can do something with this knowledge.
0: Do you think if you had um, someone in your life who ha- was of the, um, same age and interaction level that your grandfather was, but you had them in your life now, do you think you'd be able to pick up on it a little bit better now that you have, one, experience it with your own grandfather and, two, started to study it? Yes. And how do you have someone of that older generation find mentorship? and <laughs> and, and how do you help them find renewed purpose? You know, and I think... Um, You know, empathy is something that as long as you're an emotionally capable human being, that's something that you can both provide and receive. But <laughs> I think the other two, I think that there's a difficulty there in being able to approach an older generation because we still view them as wiser, more, you know, more um, mentally independent, you know, being able to think for themselves, make their own decisions, you know, work things out in their head unless they've been, you know, obviously um, diagnosed with some other mental health issue. Uh, right. and so, you know, looking looking back, you know, specifically on your grandfather, do you think that was there was there any you know, if you would have tried to introduce the ideas of mentorship and renewed purpose, do you think there'd be a way to have been able to introduce that into his life at the age that he was at? Honestly,
1: I don't know. And that's that's would be a really interesting um experiment to set up to see if maybe giving them a larger role with grandchildren and handing down uh, skills that they know, like fishing, um, whatever it is that they, they found interesting Um, being able to get them involved in the youngest generation might be a way to do that.
0: Yeah. And that's actually a really great point. I mean, it's um, we think of, um you know a lot of the instance a lot of the examples that we've had of renewed purpose have come from you know veterans that are between the ages of like 25 and 35 and they're finding new careers they're finding right. um they're finding their own roles of mentorship um and stuff like and it's easier to it's easier for them to sort of go out into general society and find this renewed purpose um right. through development in their personal and professional life, but maybe that renewed purpose in the older generation is just merely getting them more involved with the with the family
1: yeah possibly
0: yeah i mean that's i mean it'd be, it'd be really interesting um it'd be interesting to to talk to members of that generation and see if they you know if if that if see if that would inspire them to feel more you know happy and satisfied with life if they had more interaction with the younger generations of their family do you feel like? People who, you know, over the ages of 50 um, or older, do you feel like they'd be receptive to the role of a mentor of someone? Or do you feel like they reach that age where they're expected to either be one or not, that it would be difficult to find someone to take that place in their life?
1: As far as them finding a mentor, you know, that's that's actually a really good question. Because um, while you were describing that, I was thinking because my father's a Navy veteran too. I'm like, would my father be willing to open up to somebody like that? And, and then applying that to my grandfather, honestly, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, because they are so closed off and it's, I'm about the only person that my father will open up to about his feelings. And I think that's because he's seen me pull myself out of the gutter and, go make something of my life. And I'm a respectable person to him. And, you know, I'm also a vet, so he has that to relate with to me. But as far as um, my grandfather goes, unless it was someone that he could relate to, had a level of respect for, and knew was trustworthy, yeah, I don't really... I don't really know if he would have opened up.
0: Yeah, it's a little bit uh, I think I think it's harder to introduce that person um into you know I think the older you get the harder it is to to meet someone and and to have that view to have that look up to sort of view um, right. on someone. Because when you think of looking up to someone, you think of someone who is at least a year older than you. Right, um, And I think that that it makes it difficult, the older you get, to find someone who maybe possibly be younger than you and still have that, quote-unquote, look up to sort of uh, relationship. Chris Van Etten, who is a double amputee, um, when he was going through the Wounded Warrior um, Regiment, he he talked about a group that he was a part of that really helped him um, get through some of his his own invisible wounds and it was led by a vietnam vet and he said that there was a lot of it was amazing how much rapport they could establish um, because they had this commonality of war but right. yet they could learn so much from each other because they were complete, there were wars of completely two d- different situations both in theater and back in America. Right. And so, um, do you, I mean, World War Two obviously is a whole other war and it's a, um, it's a whole other generation that, that dealt with war. Um, have you ever, did you ever listen? Did you ever witness your grandfather talking to a, and I mean, you said your father was, was in the Navy. I don't know if he did Desert Storm um, or anything like that, but did you, did you ever witness your grandfather talking to other veterans a part of different wars and make any sort of connection like that?
1: No, not at all. Um, like I said, even with my father and my grandfather, it's it's not something that they talk about um because I think my dad was in Korea not that I ever witnessed or heard about the the idea of uh, peer support would be extremely helpful I just don't know even being a veteran I don't even know of any of that that's out there I wouldn't know how to connect say my grand my grandfather or my father with a group like that, and one of one of the issues that my dad's brought up, and I don't know if it applies to my grandfather because he never talked about it, but, you know, through social media, my, my father's gotten in touch with, you know, old Navy friends, sure. and the majority of them, I can tell by the way that he talks and the tone that he uses and his choice of words, it, he doesn't respect their place in life, so he just doesn't really let them in it's just hey how you doing cool later um, that kind of thing so having them be successful and not even something that you or I would deem success but something that someone of that generation would deem successful would need to be a part
0: of it you can tell in you can tell in her voice that she is still, Dealing with the realities of what happened and the impact that it had on her family, and I think that you know the 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 few themes that you know I, that is a part of today's episode that this story represents are um, ones that are often slightly controversial um, or at least you know criticized in the discussion of veteran su- in the discussion of suicide altogether, and that is being a burden. Feeling abandoned, feeling um, sort of resentment and um, you know negative neg- negatively towards um, the person that took their own life, and you know, and then also this is our first sort of real representation of you know the older generation suffering from from this and and taking their own lives after after their service but i think I think the way that she described her mother's reaction to what happened and um her father's feelings towards it, I think that's it's a really good example of how someone can feel abandoned and and left behind uh by someone who decides to take their own life now granted um you know i w we never like to hear. The words selfish and 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 stuff like that come through, but this is this is how that I, those conversations start. Is someone feels so left behind and so abandoned um, that you know they feel it's sort of like, don't you know what you're doing to me? Um, and it's just it's something. Uh, I'm not telling you to feel a certain way about this, but it's, it's something to definitely consider and to think about when talking with someone about suicide. And if you yourself are experiencing suicidal behavior, it's something to remember when you're talking to the people that are really close to you. And while they may have these, that that same approach to talking to you and telling you that, um, you know, it's selfish and, you know, how could you do that to them? You know, it's, it's it's hard to be rational about this, but it's, it's necessary. You should definitely remember that that that's coming from a point the um, it's, it's not a criticism on you. It's, um, you know, they feel vulnerable and they feel like, um, they feel like the liability in this. So, um, definitely, definitely important to take into account. Um, I know for A handful of episodes i had a second snippet that i would play following the interview but um you know lately just i thought the stories are just they've been really good and the other material that i have that i'd be pulling snippets from i've actually decided to uh release on its own so instead of tearing apart some of some of the other stories i you know i want to give them their uh their time to their time in their own episodes. So uh, the resource for today is uh, it's called the soldier project. Uh, You can find it at the and they're a nonprofit organization dedicated to providing free confidential psychological services to us military veterans and their loved ones who have served at any time after September 11th 2001 and i promise that even if that's not you if you contacted them they'd point you in the right direction and be able to be able to get you um the care that you need so if you or someone else uh you know could benefit from this go to the and look into the services that they have they have chapters in chicago sacramento Washington, New York, Pennsylvania—you um, know—so they're they're well represented on both coasts, um, and then right, you know, in Chicago for the Midwest. So, uh, you know, you should hopefully they're they're near you. If not, again, they're a good organization. I've heard a lot of great things about them, so they, I'm sure they can point you in the right direction to to get you what you need. Stay tuned on Wednesday for my momentary reflections regarding the way we label the struggles in our life and and our weaknesses, and then on Friday again for another Q and A. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.